Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the world of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of PR Week. I'll guide you gently through the next 15 minutes, a really busy week on lots of levels um, with both PR-related stories and national stories with very big communications implications. So we'll be talking about the horrific uh, crash, well not really a crash, the shot, the Malaysian Airlines jet that was shot down over Ukraine um, yesterday. Terrible story, terrible um, loss of life, uh, innocent life there. We'll talk about LeBron James. He did a very different job this time in uh, announcing his move back to his old uh, team, Cleveland. So uh, we'll get uh, some thoughts on how he handled that. We'll talk about the Time Warner Cable Fox potential um, acquisition. Um, big story this week, week, big media story, which forced uh, the Time Warner CEO to come out and communicate to all his staff. And we'll talk about the uh, its financial results season, Q2. We'll talk about IPG's results. Um, pretty good, actually. Just announced this morning, and we'll get the details on that. I'm joined by Gideon Fiddlesite, our uh, managing editor. It's been a while, Gideon, since we shared the podcast table. It's good to have you... Uh, Good to have you on board. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and I'm actually very happy that this time I don't have to try to fill your shoes in the host role because that's impossible. To Is do, it? So I don't know. Very, about very I think you do a very good job, and a very relieved, Gideon Fiddles. Right? After the uh, Governor Cuomo came in at the final hour and saved the strike that was going to ruin your your commute. Um, you, I know you want to keep this snappy, so <laughs> yes, you're right. I'll vote for I'll vote for Cuomo in November. We can move on. <laughs> and Diana Bradley's here. She's uh, been very busy this week with a lot of stories. How are you doing, Diana? I'm good, thanks. Good. How's life in Brooklyn? It's fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Good. It's a nice, uh, beautiful summer we're having and uh, lots of things going on outdoors, especially in Brooklyn. Nice place to hang out of a weekend. Um, all right, so let's talk about this horrific jet uh, situation um, 295 people died as the jet was shot down as it um, went over the airspace of Ukraine, very near to Russia. Um, terrible, absolutely terrible, and a, a, another terrible bit of news from Malaysia Airlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, about 100 Dutch people died. The flight was going from Amsterdam, and uh, there were a lot of people flying out for an international conference on AIDS. Um, some of the dead included um, the World Health Organization, one of their communications heads. Um, really tragic situation. 23 Americans, nine Brit- British people on board. So, you know, our sympathies with the families. But, I mean, what a terrible situation for Malaysia Airlines to find themselves in, Diana, when, you know, they're only just getting over this disappearing jet and then they have one shot out of the skies. What well, what was the uh, you know consensus on the way they reacted this time? Because they, they certainly didn't get many plaudits for the way they uh, responded last time. Well, their initial reaction was to take to social media. Uh, so the first thing they did was on Twitter and Facebook, the airline posted the statement, Malaysia Airlines has lost contact of MH17 from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur. The last known position was over Ukrainian airspace. More details to follow. Um, It then posted a statement to its website later on confirming that it had received notification from Ukrainian ATC that it had lost contact with the plane near the Russia-Ukraine border. Um, So basically we spoke with a few uh, PR pros on Thursday uh, who felt that Malaysia Airlines was correct in making social media its first line of communications with the public 
with the public after the plane was shot down, though many acknowledged the, dif the difficulties in doing so. Um, for example, uh, John Hellerman, co-founder of Hellerman Barrett's Communications, said that the airline's decision to go to social media first with what little information it had is a sign of the times. He said that Twitter is the platform for breaking and trending news, and while several other options would have been equally appropriate to announce and reply to this tra tragedy, the airline was being entirely reasonable by communi communicating about it on Twitter. Um, but I also spoke with Ben LeBolt, uh, who's the founding partner of the Insight Agency, uh, and he basically argued that because the airline had little information when it took to Twitter, it undermined its own plan. He said putting a statement like Malaysia Airlines did on Twitter into the ether that provides really no information and answers no questions will not be seen as helpful guidance. And um, it didn't seem like they did anything yesterday to really communicate with victims' families or anything like that. So that was It's tricky, thing. isn't it? They're in a bit of a no-win situation, whatever they do. They aren't going to have a vast amount of information. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, they can't just act as if nothing's happened. So an airline's... Uh, if in social media, I guess in in a lot of ways, airlines uh, have to respond quickly, even if it's just uh, you know pass passengers complaining about flight delays or you know lost luggage or whatever. You know that they're one of those industries where these sort of things are going to happen, unfortunately, and they've got to be prepared to respond to them. But you know, with Malaysia Airlines, you, you, you just wonder how, who's going to be wanting to. Jump on a plane Absolutely. on yeah. that carrier anytime Absolutely. soon. You know, you, you, you do fear for that. It's a it's a part government owned uh, company. And then there's the question of what, what were they doing flying over that airspace in the first place? You know, because I, as I understand it, airlines usually try and avoid flying over areas where there's conflict going on. And um, I, I think the the CEOs, you know, I think they they have said that. You know, lots of planes have, been, have flown over there, and they've been flying over there for uh, um, consistently and with no problems. But um, and other airlines have as well. But I think they've changed their policies recently, and you know, it just goes to show you've got to you've got to be careful with this stuff. And uh, it's just horrific, you know. And you've seen some of the images of just you know, kids literally strapped in their chairs on, on the ground. It's, it's it is horrific, and uh, really do send our thoughts out to all the people involved there and you know, it's a it is you know on our level we have to look at the communications implications and there are you know and how you handle these sort of um incidents and you've got to be very well prepared for them so yeah a terrible story so on to slightly more uh, happy things Gideon LeBron James uh well not if you're in Miami I suppose but, um, <laughs> he's moving back to Cleveland um after four pretty successful years actually in Miami and we all remember when he went down to Miami, it was very controversial the way he handled it with ESPN, with his special show and highly controlled and really didn't go down well. Didn't reflect that well on ESPN, actually, even though they got a great scoop. But this time it was Sports Illustrated that got a great scoop and they came out of it well and so did LeBron by the looks of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just there's, there's, there's a lot of things I could focus on here, but I, mean, I think the major thing is... You know the the maturation of LeBron James. You know, every, obviously, a lot of people focus on his maturation as a basketball player, which is obvious. But as a communicator, I think he's matured just as much. I mean, this is a, a perfect example that anyone can learn from. That you know, if you do something wrong the first time, which you know he did. I mean, to what degree he was wrong, you know, people can debate that. I mean, I personally didn't think it was as bad as a lot of people thought, but that's okay. Um, but the hubris and you know the conceit and all of that that came with the first decision that he made, called the decision as it was. 
much more understated this year. And you know, he was he was very very honest in his letter. And okay, whether he wrote it or not, I, I honestly don't know. To be honest with you, but I think he probably worked closely with um, the Sports Illustrated journalist, didn't he? Absolutely. I mean, Le- LeBron James is a very very savvy guy, and I think everyone knows that. And I mean, just the language that he used in the letter, it was very understated. I think it was very important that he chose Sports Illustrated as opposed to going back to ESPN and doing it again. He really distanced himself from the decision in every way, but he also acknowledged the mistakes that he made. One of, the, one of the things that he said that I was really, really impressed by was um, after LeBron James made his decision four years ago, Cleveland Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert came out and he just blasted LeBron James in an open letter. It was, it was nasty. I mean, yeah, narcissistic, I cowardly, horrible words that he used. And then LeBron James obviously had to talk to Dan Gilbert again before this, the deal was signed, and he basically forgave him. He said, we all made mistakes. Who am I to judge? It was just really, it was a perfect, it was, I don't want to say anything was handled perfectly, but this was almost handled perfectly, especially compared to what he did four years ago. So, um, you know, now if LeBron brings a championship to Cleveland or not, we don't know. But in terms of the communications angle, he certainly did win. The only thing, the only, the only other aspect of the story I want to mention is how quickly brands pounced on this story. Talk about real-time marketing. Sherwin-Williams is a Cleveland-based Fortune 500 company that is a leader in the building materials industry. They very quickly pounced this, I mean, seriously, within minutes of this coming out, with a tweet about nice color choice, LeBron. Basically, what they were doing is they were focusing on the colors wine and gold, which are the Cleveland Cavaliers' colors, and they were patting LeBron on the back while also giving a nice nod to their, print, uh, to their paint products. Yeah, so they're a nice uh huh. And obviously, Budweiser and McDonald's were among many national brands who were like within five minutes of this story coming out. Were quick to take advantage of the um, of the story with some you know some quick initiatives welcoming the king back to Cleveland. So yeah, and then he jumped on a plane and went to the World Cup final in Brazil. Yeah, and hopefully that hopefully he didn't go to Malaysia Airlines. Um, but, uh, but that's a bad joke. I'm sorry, but um, you know it's um, LeBron did really really well. Sorry to follow up such a sad story with something like that, but um, you know LeBron does deserve credit for how he handled it. So kudos to him for that. All right, um, Diana, let's talk about the um, potential sale of Time Warner Cable, and um, that sort of story sort of broke this week. I think it was the New York Times that broke that, and um, they the. It looks like Fox is, is trying to make a bid, $80 billion. Yeah. Um, although, you know, people are sort of denying it and what have you, but, you know, stories like that, usually there's no smoke without fire. But it, it, it certainly prompted the CEO of um, Time Warner to come out and uh, talk to his employees, you know, which um, is, as we know, internal comms can be the first line of uh, external comms. So it took us through that, and, what, and how did that go down, and what was the, how was that perceived as a strategy in, in a circumstance like this, you know, where someone where a deal is uh, in the air. Sure. So um, on Wednesday, the uh, Time Warner CEO, Jeff Bukes, uh, decided to make a video aimed at stockers and investors about why he rejected the $76 billion takeover bid from 21st Century Fox. The clip was emailed to stockers internally and posted on Time Warner's website. And in the video, he explains that the bid was rebuffed by the board because Time Warner's business plans and strategic plan create significantly more value for the company and its shareholders than any proposal Fox could offer. And what was so interesting about this is that normally in these kind of situations, an email or a press release is the main communications tactic. Um, so we spoke with uh, Fleshman Hillard SVP Paul Vosloo who shared his opinion on uh, Buke's communications tactic in this instance. Um, He said that video is much more personal, impactful, engaging, and authentic than a letter. 
And he also said that employees are going to be distracted by the takeover bid, so this is a good way for them to hear directly from the CEO on what's going on, so you know they won't be spreading rumors or talking at the water cooler. And yeah, and he did it very promptly, didn't he? Next yeah, morning. He, so um, you know, I remember a couple of years ago that conference, um, the CEO of Hilshire Brands was talking about how he did a video to staff every Monday morning, and it was it had certainly improved their internal. Uh, communications and the way people felt about the company and they felt they were you know being uh, considered and that uh, they were getting the, getting it direct from the the top and of course uh, something like this is the first line of external communications because it's not going to stay within the company so it's also a savvy way of getting out their response without actually having to necessarily talk a lot to the media and you know about it so it's yeah quite a savvy way to do it we'll see whether that is the end of the story or whether you know this one will run i suspect that it will run and run and i suspect there might be you know um more bids more speculation about this and um there was a lot of talk about the um Potential implications for the media industry, weren't they? You know, for example, what would happen with CNN? You couldn't really see a company owning both Fox News and CNN, <laughs> not just for the political mm-hmm. uh, in, in implications there, but you know, to having a monopoly on the 24 hour news sector. And also, you know, let's face it, they use uh, their premium channels uh, like HBO to um, sell in extra channels that consumers don't always want or might not necessarily want. And you know, CNN, you could argue, is amongst those. So lo- lots of interesting angles brought up on the future of media and the channels, etc. And an interesting way of responding by uh, the CEO there, Jeff Bukes. All right. Uh, thanks, Diana. Let's talk about uh, financial results and agencies. It's Q2. We're always interested to see what the numbers say. And uh, IPG has had a pretty good time over the last uh, 18 months, uh, in fact, probably longer. So, um, and in fact, you know, Weber and Golin were two of the companies, they're IPG's main PR firms, who uh, did really well in 2013. And we highlighted that in our agency business report in May. But what are the Q2 numbers saying, Gideon, um, as uh, those results were revealed this morning? Yeah, thanks, Stephen. I'd say um, Interpublic Group CEO Michael Roth would be very pleased with the numbers reported by the holding company's constituency management group, which contains the majority of its PR firms. It reported a 7.9% organic increase in revenue in Q2 to $355.4 million compared with the prior year. And looking back at the first half of the year, the, fig- the figures are equally smile-inducing to IPG. For the first six months of 2014, the CMJ unit's revenue was up 6.8% organically to $677.2 million compared with the first half of 2013. And as Steve noted, Weber, Shamick, and the recently rebranded Golan are part of CMG and both played a key part in the reported growth. In fact, the PR unit of IPG grew double digits in Q2, which is the same growth they had in Q1. And if you look at the broader numbers, the story remains positive. As a whole, Interpublic achieved $1.85 billion in revenue in Q2, which is up 4.7% organically from Q2 2013. This was driven by a 7.1% organic jump in international revenue, while U.S. revenue grew more modest, but still 2.9% organically during that period as well. In the first half of 2014, the holding company achieved revenue of $3.5 billion dollars which is up 5.6% organically compared with the prior year. International organic growth was 8% during the first half of the year, with that figure being nearly 4%, 3.8% to be exact in the U.S. Solid numbers across the board. You can go to PRWeek.com for even more details on IPG's performance in Q2 and the first half of 2014. Yeah, and we, um, we've already spoken to uh, Andy Polanski, who's CEO of Weber Shamwick and um, 
they're talking about organic double digit growth in the PR firms because uh, CMG is more than PR firms it's uh, it's events firms and uh, other other firms mm-hmm. as well and they're saying the PR firms actually did better than that so double digit growth um, and both in uh, organic in, in Q2 so that's good I think I said Golden Harris earlier so I need to get uh, up to speed that's and, okay that's uh, just, okay Steve. Uh, I'm still still in Brazil mode aren't I that's okay. uh, so just Golden obviously and um, of course in that uh, period um, Weber acquired Prime interesting Swedish agency that does really well at uh, Cannes, a very creative firm. Mm-hmm. I think they will bring 15 to $20 million of uh, revenues, although they wouldn't have been counted in that in those figures. We were talking, we always talk organic growth, like for like. So uh, interesting stuff there. And apparently Asia and Brazil were particularly strong. Brazil partly because of the World Cup, but um, you know, partly just generally good business environment there. And, and the US pretty strong too. So uh, yeah, good times at IPG. We'll look forward to seeing what WPP Omnicom come back with and uh, Edelman as well because they'll be uh, releasing their financial, their account. Yeah, sorry, finan- fiscal, yeah. financial, right. fiscal, yeah. It's, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot to keep. Oh, up it is at my age, Gideon, I tell you. I'm not telling you. <laughs> all right, so uh, thanks all. We uh, don't forget that... Um, our awards. Uh, we've put out the call for entries for those, so uh, please uh, make sure you're working on those. And uh, we're looking forward to our conference uh, in mid-September, which Gideon is going to be hosting this year, and it's all about good business, better business. So uh, any updates on that, Gideon? Um, we've got some great speakers, great keynote CEOs of, of big companies, Fortune 500 companies. We've got people like Mike Fernandez, Gary Sheffer speaking. Um, th- that's, that's, a wonder- that's a wonderful selling point right there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, some tremendous companies will be represented. Again, Toyota is going to be represented at this event. Um, some interesting organizations like the Human Rights Campaign are going to be represented at this event. Um, we think the first four years of the PRW conference was quite excellent. We're quite excellent. We're, I think we're ready for the best event we've ever had as we celebrate the fifth anniversary of this event. And it's a wonderful, wonderful topic. Um, both relevant to the communications industry, relevant to business, and relevant to society. So we're really, really proud of it. It's on September 16th, as Steve noted. I will have the honor of hosting it. Um, um, if, if any of you have not bought tickets yet, do it. What are you waiting for? <laughs> well said, man. Well said. Yeah, it's going to be great. So we'll see you there. And it will be capped off by the 40 Under 40 dinner as well, which uh, the, that list is going to be unveiled August 1. And uh, we'll have a dinners to celebrate it one of the best uh, nights of the year so uh, do book your tickets now okay that's all we got time for this time we'll see you next week on the pr week